At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's what I told my barber yesterday. Shave the side. Don't, you don't want the Chris Sims? Then I go, I don't want the new Chris Sims. Give me the old Chris Sims. And you're not going to ever go to hair dye or anything like that. Like You are going to embrace your grays, right? There's not that much gray. No, there's a lot there. There's a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We keep it real here on What the Fuck Happened Wednesday, right? I mean, the guy's wearing a gray hoodie to match his gray hair and his gray beard. That's why he's wearing it. The beard definitely has gray. <laughs> What's up, everybody? That is Ahmed Fareed's beautiful voice. I am Chris Sims. My voice is not beautiful, um, but hopefully can shed some beautiful knowledge on you Ooh. from the Sunday week five football games. Watched a lot of football the last few days, so we got some good things here. The AKA, the treasure hunters are here. Yep. Right. We are. What the fuck happened Wednesday? And uh, that's it for my opening. You good though? Everything good? It's been two days. I haven't seen you in a while. I missed you. <laughs> I know, but I but I read your handwriting. Say so I'm with you on Monday. Actually, right. I'm with you on Sundays now. A lot. Yeah, I know. So I'm with you on Sunday. Right. I'm with you on Monday. You getting used to the handwriting here? You getting used to it? Any better here through five weeks? Usually pretty good. Because like you, when I texted the pictures yesterday, it was incoming script yeah. scripts Curse coming. Of incoming. Yes, right. Like if bombs were hitting Ooh. you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I'm getting better. Although every once in a while, there's a point you want to make. And there's a word that I just can't quite I decipher. Know. I get excited when I get to and real like, big does he points. Hate it or does he love it? I know. And I'll, I know. I'll ask you on the pod. That's, it actually works out pretty great. well. It's great. We keep it raw. We keep yeah. you know peel back the curtain. You're not supposed to read everything and know everything in my brain. So exactly. I got to add a little intrigue here. It's scary. So yeah, I read your writing on Tuesday. I'm with you again on Wednesday, and then I get a little bit of a break. Yeah, you get a you little know? break, hiatus, and then we charge up and go again Sunday. Yes, but this time, so on Wednesdays we've obviously and on this podcast you do the top forty. We focus on the quarterbacks quite a bit. Yeah. We're going to have a defensive slant here. I like it. We've hit all the real big quarterback stuff, and we've beat it into the ground. I mean, who's broken down quarterbacks and done this more than we have? All right. Let's shed some light to some other issues around the league or strong strengths as far Mm -hmm. as what's going on with some of these teams. I thought it was a good idea by you and Pete on uh, Monday to kind of go this direction. So along with my uh, Big Butt Awards for the defensive tackles and edge players and Pete's uh, Pun Awards. Right. We're going to look at the defenses for the Ravens, the Giants, ooh, 4-1 yeah. Giants, the Jets. Wow, two New York teams, relevant. 7-3. and three, Yeah. Right? Uh, New Orleans Saints, Cowboys, and more, Pete has put in here. So and you, more. If you didn't hear your team, and you looked at the Lions, which I, I was like, why? Well, Why I, are we looking at the Lions? Well, because of you. Move on. So I just wanted uh, to add some you know, misery. You. I didn't want you to go into the, the three days without me and just totally love me. <laughs> yeah, right? give me more things to be depressed about. But yes. we should give some love to the Patriots, too, because that running game looks legit. Exactly them. right. Exactly right. All right, so we'll get to that. Yep. But let's start 
with our Sunday night game, maybe our best one uh, of the year so far, and we'll kind of look at it from the defensive uh, side of the ball for right. the Baltimore Ravens here because I think it, you know most people think it's going to be Cincinnati. It's going to be Baltimore. I mean, Cleveland's going to be in the mix there, too. We They're don't not... think any of these teams are going away. Right. So what are they doing well now? What can they do better? Right. Um, so let's look specifically at the Ravens' D. And I want to focus on something that, that they did not do yeah. in this game. Right. And you think maybe this was the, the least they have done this in the history of you watching them on film or on TV. I would say so. What happened to the blitzing Baltimore Ravens they, in they, this game? Yeah, they, they realized that they weren't going to be able to live that life against this crew. And against a crew where we know offensively the Bengals haven't been consistently good. And this hasn't been a year where we look at them and just go, oh, they go down the field seven plays, 80-yard drive every time, right? I mean, you break them down for the better part of the year. It is like when they get blitzes and they get a one-on-one, that's when they kind of have a good drive or make things happen. That's pretty consistent through the the first part of the year. When they got to hold the ball and read coverage, they can't hold it that long because they can't protect very well. So I think the Ravens realized the beast or the nature of the beast in which they were playing here and said, wait, wait, we might actually, even though we're not a great pass rushing football team and really one of the worst this might be the week where our front four can actually get there against this crappy front five of the Cincinnati Bengals, and you know, and then we can play some coverages and not put our guys in vulnerable positions, and we have a pretty good feel for their offense and their rules anyways to where you know, we can coach our guys in zone to kind of read things out and do it the right way. So it was a good start for Baltimore. Will I say I'm totally sold that they're fixed with all these issues? Absolutely not. It's a matchup league, and I think they matched up very nicely with this crew here. Yeah. So I got to see a little bit more of it before I say, okay, but it was certainly the right thing here. And I think it's at least something they're going to have to do more of as compared to the first few weeks where they were you know, much more aggressive. So that's interesting. Let's right. dig deeper into that yeah. because weeks one through four, Pete notes here in our rundown, they blitzed 28% of the time. Yeah. That's 12th in the NFL. Right. Week five against the Bengals, 5% of the time. 31st in the NFL. So only one team blitzed less than the Baltimore Ravens did this past week. You don't think that that's, they figured something out here and maybe this is how they'll play going forward. You think this was specific to the Cincinnati Bengals? I think it's a little bit of both. Oh, I do. I think it's a little bit of, wait, we can get away with this maybe more than normal this week because of the Bengals. And I think it's a little bit of, wait, we need to play this way a little bit more. We can't be the Baltimore Ravens of five, six years ago where we got crazy blitzes with intricate zone and man coverage behind it and, and do all that. I don't think they're going to be able to live that style going forward. So they have to find a mix. And I would say more lean this way of let's be conservatively exotic, okay? And what I mean by that is, right, do you like that? Conservatively exotic? Yeah. Where... You saw in my notes enough. Their best plays, their best things are, you know, disguise, looks like it's a blitz, blah, blah, blah. Two guys blitz, but two guys drop out, and we're playing Tampa 2. And we made it look like cover three, and the down safety ended up being really the middle linebacker that runs down the middle of the field in Tampa 2, and we found some cool way to get it, right? If that makes sense there, to where the illusion of complexity ends up being in a very simple defense, but at least makes the quarterback, the line go, oh, wait, this guy dropped, oh, that guy, but wait, we got to pass it off, and the quarterback at least for a second go, wait, are we picked up? Wait, 
what the hell, they were in cover three, and now it's Tampa two. I think that's their best way for an advantage. They're not going to turn it around and be a dominant defense or a top 15 defense at any point this year. I don't think that's going to happen. So they're rushing four either right. way. It's just how they how do it. How they do it. Blitz zone change is how I was. That's what we would call blitz zone change. You're changing. We're blitzing. We're playing zone, but we're blitzing and changing one blitzer for another guy to change into coverage, right? Yep. And that's, that's really, to me, where they were most effective. And in this game, you know, they blitzed one they they blitzed I, I think I got done with the first half and I was like whoa I, have I ever wrote in, written this before in my life I was like I, we're at halftime and I'm pretty sure there was one real blitz the whole first half if not maybe two and on that one real blitz that came in the second quarter it was a first and 15 and guess what happened they threw a 15 yard curl he was open he broke a tackle, and it became a 34-yard gain. That was that Mike Thomas play. That was the Mike Thomas play, right. And then I think that's when Baltimore was like, okay, we learned our lesson. Fuck that. We'll be going back to the zone coverage. So where, where are the deficiencies then for the Baltimore Ravens? Why can't they yeah. play like they used to play? Right. Where are they not as talented? Well, I, th- I think two, two things. I mean, lose Marcus Williams at safety. Got another young safety, Kyle Hamilton, who's, Kyle Hamilton who's still learning his way. Mm-hmm. Marcus Peters is not quite – the Marcus Peters of old, right? He's still good, but I think he's still kind of in the transition of getting back to his 100% self. You know, they're nickel cover guys, a younger guy, so they're not as stout in the secondary. Marlon Humphrey, to me, is, is still a really awesome football player, but the only guy that I think you can consistently count on, like, being on an island doing that, right? Now, the real problem, though, and you've heard me say this a little bit through the first four weeks, their D-line is really the biggest issue. There is not one difference maker on that D-line. It's, it, it's, it's painful to say for the Ravens. I just I can't even believe I'm saying these things. And what's even worse is the guy that's been there for five days is their best D-lineman already, and that's JPP, clearly their most disruptive player. But the problem is not only in the pass rush, but, I mean, the, even in the run game, it's it's there's nobody that can get off blocks in the run game. That that's the concerning. It's concerning that the Bengals ran for 78 yards on 14 carries with Joe Mixon. That I and mean, this offensive line is it's one of the shittiest in football right now. It has not improved. Lyle Collins is horrible at right tackle. It's horrible. It's not like oh it's okay it might get better. You know it's horrible. So. You know, there, that's where it's issues there, and I don't know if that department's really going to get any better. Adafi away was a first-rounder yeah. in 2021. Yeah. Not popping? No, not popping at all. Showed more promise last year than this year. Hmm. Now, you know, he's a guy that in, in some ways, because I think of their lack of talent too, is having to play true defensive end, right? And that's okay, but I think he was more along the lines of a guy that they wanted to be kind of like – outside linebacker slash defense end because but because they're so not talented there he's got to play it all the time I you know in my heart of hearts I think they wanted to use him more like a Leonard Floyd in you know the Rams are back when the Bears end of the scrimmage linebacker can drop into coverage he's athletic he runs well and then hey it's a nickel or a passer situation we let him go get the passer but they're having to ask him to do you know stuff where I don't think it's in his DNA quite yet as skinny as he is to stop double teams in the run and set the edge all the time and do that but certainly not popping to, to your question but they won this game they held the Bengals offense down to just 17 points and you knew we couldn't keep a, away from the offenses and the quarterbacks the entire podcast we're yeah. gonna do a little well we got to hit on here. that because it goes it goes that. hand in hand with this conversation so here. this is what you've been talking about you talked 
talked about it last week, and this is what I texted the, the group earlier uh, earlier in the week. I go Because I started seeing on Twitter other people saying, what's going on with the Bengals' offense here? Doesn't it seem kind of simple, the things they're having Jamar Chase do? What, right. What's going on with the Bengals' offense? I was right. like, yeah, we're, we were a week ahead. We were a week ahead. Unbutton's a week ahead. Right, um, right. So, so the, the rest of the football world is starting to catch on here with this Bengals. Set it on Sunday Night Football in my little segment with Coach Dungy where yep. I tried to say, hey, the X's and O's got to be better. They're too reliant on the Jimmys and the Joes. So Kristen and Gabby have brought up here, uh, if you're watching on YouTube or on Peacock, the route trees for some of the top receivers out there. And you see... Uh, Justin Jefferson, it's all over the place. And yeah. Cooper Cup, it's all over the place. A bunch of different routes. Steph, I mean, Stephon, Stephon Diggs, Diggs is, is crazy. Is insane like he's all over the place. Right. Seven it's different types of, squigglies of all over the field. Jamar Chase? Whoa! Not so much. Well, How do you describe that route tree? Uh, it's simple and shitty. That's what I would describe <laughs> that as. That's what, And then that's what I've been trying to tell people a little bit. You know, It's to the point where you don't even have to double-team the guy anymore because, like I said last week, right? All they do is run goes and slants. And a shallow cross every now and then. They never got to a shallow cross in this game. But everything there is, other than a five-yard out route, is go-ish or slantish, according to where he's aligned on the field. It's just not acceptable for a guy that talented. The offense is not acceptable for the talent they have at the skill position. I know their offensive line's not good, but they're so talented at the skill positions where if they moved and did some creativity, a little more creativity, it would help their offensive line out. The fact that they're so stagnant and simple actually is hurting their own line because teams are figuring out, oh, we can expose the protection this way. If we blitz this guy or drop that guy, they're in trouble. There's nothing to worry about, right? You don't have to, hey, we're going to blitz here. Oh, wait, they motioned and shift. Wait, check the blitz. Check off. Check off blitz. We're going to blitz now to the other side, or we're just going to check out of it and play cover two, right? They don't ever do that to teams. Those are the things that help out offensive line. They're not very good at wide receiver screens or anything like that. Really good teams. They can see the Eagles. You see the 49ers. You start to overplay their run and run blitz and do things like that. Zoom, there you go, you know, A.J. Brown or Debo Samuel. And now you're fucked because everybody's trying to inside the box trying to stop the run, and now it's Debo Samuel, and you're going, if he breaks one tackle, he's going to be off to the races and nobody's there. There's nothing there. There's no checks and balances. There's no creativity. There's no stress they put on you, and that's where it's got to change, and it's being – exposed more this year than last year because at least last year they could run the football a little bit. So then they could go, okay, hey, we're still running the ball, and then it opened up the play-action pass, and then teams had to worry about that a little bit, and then it made some of the bland, simple plays you're talking about here and all that, well, they were still effective because teams were having to play and worry about other things. Right now, all they have to worry about is one thing, just big play. We don't. Let's just not let Jamar run a go go route by us. Let's not let T. Higgins run a go route right by us. Let's not let Boyd against the Jets be one on one in the middle of the field. And if he breaks one tackle, he's gone, and we go right by us. That's, that's the Bengals' offense. It's not sustainable to be a really good team in the in football. Worrying for them too is they probably ran the ball about as well as they have all that, season long. Yes, still only scored seventeen points. Uh, Burrow threw the ball thirty five times. For 217 yeah. yards. You I don't mean, like come that. On. Come there was, on. There was one interception. Right. Bad interception. Right. Bad interception. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, Sorry. no, no. I, 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 I wanted yeah. to get your, your take on that. Yeah, it was a bad interception. I mean, just, you know, play action pass, comes out of it, you know, and just took, I guess, just took for granted. He thought the, the effect of the, the run fake was going to suck up that linebacker. It never did. And yeah, that was his worst play of the football game for sure. But, you know, 
the stat line you read was perfect. 35 attempts or 24 completions for 217. Are you kidding me with this group against that defense? Get out of here. Like, get out of here. That's, that's embarrassing. It is. For a guy, too, listen, this is not check down Charlie. This is a guy that's looking to, he's looking to strike every time he drops back. I mean, it's to the point where if he has Jamar Chase on a go route and it's one-on-one, he's going to throw it because he's going, this might be the only fucking time I get a chance to go down the field with it. I mean, T. Higgins in that game against the Dolphins, he was literally just, oh, wait, it's a go route. It's one-on-one. I'm throwing to him. I mean, he's looking for the big play, but they can't deliver it for him right now for a number of problems. And, yeah, as much as the Ravens thing was good and positive for their defense, they still come away from the game going, wait, I'm still not – the Ravens' defense is still not good. And it's even more concerning that the Bengals couldn't move the ball on this Ravens' defense. One thing that shocked me, you yeah. noted it in your notes here, was uh, yards per play in the NFL, which I usually like to go by. Yeah. You, know, you can do the total yards per game, but sometimes that's skewed because you might run more plays than the other team. I like yards per play. Right. I think it gives you a pretty good gauge of, of the offense. Sure. And the bottom five teams in yards per play, yeah. a couple of teams you would, you would think, Steelers down there, Colts right. have been terrible, right. Panthers. But then you got 31st, second to last in the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals, just barely ahead of the... L.A. Rams, who we'll get to in a little bit. But, man, second to last with that receiving crew, which I think we've talked about as probably the deepest and best three receivers in the NFL. I, I don't think that's crazy. You're right. I mean, that's, that's Joe Mixon. Right. Joe Burrow. Right. Second to last Hayden in the NFL. Hayden Hurst on a bad pass-catching tight end. It, 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 there's one thing that list has in common right there. One thing. And you know what it is. It's, it's bad offensive lines. Exactly right. The offensive lines are are fucking pitiful, that so that's hard. So is that to blame more for the Bengals than the simple stuff that Zach Taylor? It just compounds compounds it. You know they would get away with some of the simpleness if the offensive line was really good because he would make tr- unbelievable throws and if people weren't open it would give him a chance to buy time and move and then he'd make another incredible throw. And Chase is going to get open and if he they're going to exactly yeah. right. So that that's where it just exposes it even more. That's the biggest thing, and that's what's disappointing. I mean they have a superstar cast of skill guys. The old low line stuff's a real issue. Same with the Rams. I mean it's, and it's the same system. Except the Rams have more creativity, and the Rams, though, I mean, it it might be it's every bit as worse. Except the Rams don't even have people that scare you, other than Cooper Cup. Where the Bengals have that at least going for them to back people off at times and stuff. The 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 people play the Rams, and they're just like, is we just slow down Cooper Cup? Nobody else are we even remotely scared of? Who cares? But yes, offensive line play is an issue. And you see that you know across the league, really. Really, the bottom, all the bottom offenses in football, for the mm-hmm. most part, you really look at it and go, yeah, it's really below average offensive lines. And, and it's a thing in the NFL anyways. You've heard me say this. To, to me, one of the things that's going on in the league right now where the rules are set up for the offense, and even though we're not seeing the offense score a ton of points, people keep asking me why. I go, because there's way more talented defensive linemen than offensive linemen in football right now. It's just it's, they're overrun in games. And if you have one injury on your O-line, you're in deep shit. Most teams can barely field a team of good five O-linemen hmm. other than the top quality teams. Every team has eight good defensive linemen. And that, to me, is a big imbalance in the league right now. Just something food for thought there. But, hey, yeah, the Bengals got to improve there, certainly. And, wait, I want to answer this question that I'm seeing here right now. Bront, Bront, Bront. Right. 
I think you owe the Baltimore Ravens worst defense in football an apology. Well, Bron, Bron, Bron. They've okay. bottled both Allen and Burrow back to back. Bron, Bron, Bron. I mean, so hopefully you just heard here. I mean, the Bengals offense is certainly nothing to write home about. Yeah, the skill positions are really good. Don't make it about Burrow. A lot of people are going to bottle up Burrow when you, when you have that shitty offensive line right there. And then, you know, listen, the, the, the bottling up the Josh Allen thing, I mean, I'm not going to really go that far. Was it a good day by them? Certainly. You know, did the rain and the rainstorm and the monsoon certainly hurt the team that is one of the best, if not the best, throwing team in football? And how many times did we talk about they drop balls in those that game? Drop ball, drop ball, drop ball interception. You know, th- that game, if it was a clean environment, would not be the same way. So that's where I'm not going to really buy into Baltimore yet. I'm sorry, Bron, Bron, Bron. Let's continue to see They're it not go the here. worst defense in football, but they're not great. No, they're not worse, but they're not the worst. But They're, they're not the Lions. They're, but they're they're, not no, good. they're not the Lions. You're right that, about that. But they're, they're <laughs> definitely, without question, in the bottom quarter of the league. That's without a doubt. Let's move on from these bad teams Let's and get it. to a good team. The New York Giants. Whoa, right? baby. Yes, sir. When's the last time you heard that? I mean, I, I 2016? <laughs> you I don't think. even believe that even right now. <laughs> Not even, totally. You, you're the one on TV going, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit <laughs> here. I know a good record and everything. Let's not get ahead of our skis. They won, though. They went to London. They beat Aaron Rodgers. They got those cheeseheads out there in uh, London. Uh, had to go all the way back across the pond upset. Um, this is this is impressive, and we're going to look at the defense here and how they kind of slowed down Aaron Rodgers. Didn't yeah. look like they were going to be able to do that early on in the in the game, but uh, by the second half, they really were making it very very difficult. Um, what do we have here? Let's let's start with this. Yeah, the, uh, you look at the defenders on on defense here. You don't these names don't pop. These names are not popping. So we're looking here if you're watching on YouTube or Peacock some of the the names of the defenders. For the Giants here, signed after August 31st, and they played a ton versus the Packers. Yeah. Fabian Moreau at corner played 52 snaps. Jalen Smith, who's kind of <laughs> discarded, played 41 snaps. Nick McLeod, 26 yeah. snaps, had to come into oh, the game. Played was great, too, coming in. And, As and a corner. After uh, Adoree Jackson got hurt. That right? was interesting. I, yeah, I noted that here in your notes. What yeah. is he? I had some details on, on Kid the from Notre Dame, I'm right? Him, yeah, he went to uh, NC State yeah. and then went to Notre Dame. Right. Second-year guy. First uh, defensive snaps of the season. He really didn't play a whole lot last year either. Yeah, you no, liked him. I, I I did like him. I did. You know, I got a chance to see him when he was at Notre Dame a little bit in person. And yeah, yeah, he's one of those. Uh, you know, Notre Dame smart has a little more physical ability than people gave him credit for in college. And yeah, they weren't afraid to put him in some man-to-man situations and see what he got. But he did a good job. He was very competitive and really, other than one slant and go that Rodgers didn't throw. That would have been wide open towards the end of the football game. Um, he really was very good in coverage throughout. So what's working? What's working right now for the New York Giants defense? Right. The New York Giants defense, I, I think the, the great thing they have more than anything is they are big up front, right? You've heard me say that this is two, three years in a row here to where, you know, they're, they don't have to overexpose themselves as far as like, oh, we got to stop the run. They can lean on them a little bit. All right. I think that's the first thing I look at. And then they do a great job of, you know, some of the things we talked about with Baltimore just there where, you know, creating the illusion of complexity, great disguises, blitz a guy here, drop a guy back here. They break down of how they break down teams must be good because there's there's just too many plays too where, you know, I go back into the old phase like they brushed five. 
and they're dropping in zone, and the guys all drop to where Rodgers wants to throw the football in a true drop-back situation. And they're, they're very good at that. And, you know, for the most part, don't give you a ton of opportunities to make big plays down the field. So even though they do some of this intricate, detailed stuff underneath, they kind of play it safe on the back end and don't let you have a lot of huge chunk plays or opportunities to just go, oh, here's a play-action post down the middle for you know a 70-yard gain. You know, they're tactical about when they take their chances, I guess is the, the big thing I would say more than not. You know, like the end of the game. They might, they're going to throw it quick. It's Rodgers. I don't want them to sit back there all day and find and buy time and then throw a laser. Let's, let's blitz them. Let's make them get the ball out of our hands and get our hands up and, and maybe tip a pass and stop the quick game like that instead of, oh, he doesn't like it and then buys time and then you know, ends up getting the touchdown anyways. Their blitz rate leads the NFL, 47% blitz mm-hmm. rate. So right. finding their spots, picking their spots, going after it, being aggressive. Right, and it's it's not you know a, 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 the occasional all-outs, but it's good five-man blitzes like I'm talking about where they're playing good sound zones behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the thing that you know I look at more than not. It's not like it's Miami blitzes where we're like, whoa, it's all out. Everybody's at the line of scrimmage yeah. every time. This is a little bit more controlled of, aggression. We're going to bring five because I think you're going to slide the line this way and we're facing taking you out to that side you're sliding to, and then those guys are going to drop out, and we're going to bring one guy around the edge, and it's a five-man pressure, and one of them's free. Yeah. Right, so they're very good at that. That's where Wink Martin Martindale is a mastermind, and to me, one of the best defensive minds in the sport that way. Not only is he good at you know, hey, we're less than one guy in the secondary, and we've blitzed, but we still can cover everything. But also exposing the actual protection plan. That, that's where he really you know makes up for lack of talent here with the Giants' defense. Green Bay's running game really wasn't able to get going. In this one, right? you notice something in the second half yeah. with the defensive tackles and where they were aligned and perhaps a shift in, in strategy there. What, what was that? Yeah, well, because they were kind of playing like, you know, bare front, five, you know, three defensive tackles, right, on the guard, two guards in the center. Right. And that time sometimes leads, lends to between the tackle and the tight end, some, there's lack of manpower there. So they were finding some nice runs off tackle. And, you know, the guard and tackle were getting to double team that guy over the guard. And the Giants couldn't get there to stop them on some of those runs. Well, second half, they moved those guys out a little bit. You know, they played like basically like what I would call a three technique and a two eye, where there was no shade nose or nobody really inside the guards now. So it was hard to create that double team and win that gap we were talking about. That was certainly one big thing. But I think the biggest thing, more than anything, that really won the game, and this is we've talked about this with the Giants that helped the defense out more than anything, is the offense. Mm. The offense, they play complementary football. And I know you and I have talked about this a lot, how you know they know what they are, right? And their defense is making it happen with you know great coaching and not letting up big plays and being a little opportunistic. And the offense is, you know, we're not gonna make a mistake. We're gonna run the ball, high percentage passes, and we'll just look for our time to, you know, here's our game plan splash play to kind of strike. Like wink on the defense. We're just looking for our time, and then we'll send that crazy blitz and maybe make something happen. Until then, we'll be somewhat creative but conservative, a creative conservative approach. And I think they have great complementary football going as far as uh, that's concerned. I think that's interesting because if they're playing like that, that's almost shortening the game. Exactly. And then the Packers offense plays in a similar way. Exactly right. They do. 
and they play they shorten the game right to where it's like this is my issue with the Packers you know you're gonna you, you just there's very little room for error you know if you're gonna play the dink and dunk style of football and play that way and not be aggressive always well you know, you falter on one or two drives and all of a sudden, oh, it's a game against the team we were controlling. And that's where my complaint is. And they're too good, in my opinion, to still be playing as conservative they are. And you know my my issues with the offensive passing game and Rodgers is still too conservative. And there's no natural aggression within the normal rhythm of the passing offense at all. It is dink and dunk and dink and dunk and dink and dunk. And then it's, oh, wait. They're playing us man on the outside. I'll throw a go route. And that's just, that's not good football. You know, I mean, you're going to get away with it some weeks, but against some better defenses who are coached well and kind of know how to break you down, it's not going to get it done. And that's what I keep trying to say to everybody about Green Bay. I know they're still very good, but it's just a hard way to win and be dominant the way they play. That's what Coach Magnet was asking you on Twitter. Okay. What the F happened to Green Bay's offensive game plan adjustments in the second half? Everyone is piling on the defense, but they can't hold the entire half when the O posts up a donut. Yeah. No. Emoji. I know. Well, you know, they go down at the end of the game, right? And don't get points there. You know, they they drive down you know, the other time, what was that, late third quarter, and they're kind of on the fringe field goal territory, right? And um, I just want to make sure I got this right here. And I believe that's where they get a sack, right? Knock them out of field goal position, right? So that led to the Giants going down, I believe, and, and that might have been the, the drive that took the – so here, I got it right down. I wrote it down. They're fringe field goal territory. All right, so they're moving the ball. They run the ball for two yards on first down. Second down, it's a play-action pass. There's a two-man route, right? It's all kind of covered. All right, so there's nothing there. And then third down, all right, that's when Dexter Lawrence gets a sack and knocks him out of field goal ter- territory. But my, my point was the dink and dunk execute type of offense, one mess up, and the drive's over. And that's their big problem. You know, you have no room for error there. Offenses that are aggressive don't have this problem. Sometimes to throw it short, you got to have people running deep. And what they run into is everybody's running short. And then if that one guy he pulls the ball for a set hut, wait, I'm gonna because these are plays as you played quarterback in high school. Set hut, it's one two, boom, hit him right. It's a, it's a quick throw, one two, boom, hit him. If that guy, oh wait, that guy dropped out there, doubled him. One, two, there is no two, three, four read in those type of plays. You know that it's not like oh one, two, hit him, and then wait, the other side's running short routes too, and it's too late to throw the ball to them because now it's like they're out of spot and out of, and you don't, you haven't seen it clearly because they're all designed for you know one step, two step, three step, throw it right. So there's the other issue that they run into sometimes, too, when they go, oh, we think we got him here with our little cute short completion. Oh, wait, we don't have him, and now I have no other fucking options because I pulled the throat of that guy. And the right. line's expecting the ball to be out quick, and it leads to those issues. So it's, it's all the same things you've heard me talk about with Green Bay. So how would you explain the big plays with them? Because they do have some. They yes. do have made some big plays. Right. They have hit some 20 or more yards down the field throws versus the Giants specifically even. And I think we have the passing chart from Week 5 for for Aaron Rodgers. So they do have some some bigger plays. Right. Um he hit how Randall, would you make the distinction? He, there? Well, he hit Randall Cobb on a scramble play down the middle. Okay? Where he just made an unbelievable human play, like by Aaron Rodgers. 
Uh, and again, he was running full speed yeah. at the line of scrimmage and like awkwardly threw a 20-yard laser over the middle and Randall Cobb like turned around and ran yeah. for another 20-something yards. For those who can't see the passing, passing chart here, uh, there is not a completion that traveled more than 20 yards down the field. So right. he had some attempts. Right. There are a couple there just inside of 20 yards. And I believe he had Dobbs on a play-action crosser. Yeah. But, man, look at all those completions behind the line of scrimmage. So One, that's two, what three, lends. Four, five, six, seven, exactly. eight, nine, ten. Exactly. That's what I mean. And then it's just. Eleven. It's, 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 it's just to me, it's, it's. They're dropping the ball here. You got one of the greatest arms in football, and we're throwing the ball four yards a time. I mean, Almost, it, it, half of his completions, maybe more than that, were either at the line of scrimmage, behind it, or a few yards in front of it. 39 completions for, I mean, no, attempts for 222. I mean, 25 completions for 222. I just now they're going to get their explosive play, the twenty yard plus play, because everybody's trying to stop the dink and dunk and all of that. You know, again, even the, in the in the in the the Buccaneers game, they had some explosive plays, but they were RPO throws where okay, you got the Bucks overplaying the run. The guy caught it at five yards. Roger threw it right on the money and let him run, and they got a big run after the catch. But again, that to me is not like conducive to me sitting here going, "Whoa, they're a big play explosive offense." Whoa. No, and it won't be be able to be consistently available once they play some of these better defenses. So that's where they're really good. Uh, and then they have a guy like the New England game. Oh, okay, well, they're just going to play man-to-man. Oh, Dobbs runs straight. I'll just throw the perfect go route. Oh, you dropped it in the back of the end zone. So they're going to have some of those opportunities because teams are going to play like that because they're going to go, well, they're going to throw the three-yard slant here or they're going to do some sort of play here to throw it short. So they're fortunate to get some aggressive coverages. And then he's also very good at getting them in the right play. They have a great sense, too, of when to call screens and throw screens in that way, too. So that's another way where I throw it to Aaron Jones behind the line of scrimmage, and he runs for 30 yards, and we go, oh, it's an explosive play. Look, they're an explosive offense. And I want to go, no, that was just an explosive play. They're not an explosive offense. Now we're back to two yards per play and run and two-yard throw, two-yard throw. And that's not how great offenses that are really dangerous in the NFL work. You know what I think? I think right. it's not sustainable. <laughs> I don't think it's sustainable. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? They are 3-2. and two. Yeah. Um, they are three and two with it. They got some kinks to work out, and who knows? Maybe it won't come together offensively for them this year. They'll have to rely on that defense, which was a talking point earlier in the year for them too. Um, I don't know that the defense has been all that no, impressive for the Packers. It though. hasn't been dominant. I think that's that's the big thing that's you know a little concerning there. It, it's good, but uh, you know it's top five. I think in the NFL right now, if I'm if I'm remembering right, yeah, they're the fifth defense in football. They are. Mm, now, it's better than I would have thought. Well, it's better than you would have thought, and they've been fortunate to play some offenses that we're not writing home about. You know, Again, the Giants, we're not like, oh, hey, Mom, the Giants are explosive. Hey, Mom, the Patriots are explosive. Hey, Mom, the Bears are explosive. Okay, They played Tampa Bay without no Mike Evans and a beat-up offensive line, All right, and Chris Godwin not there either. So, hmm. you know, the, the, they've, they've been lucky as far as the offenses they had to play, I don't think they're really a top five defense, I guess is what I'm saying. But here. here's one of those where we, if you look at yards per play, right. as opposed to yards, uh, because if, if they do shorten the game, then maybe it's fewer plays run by the other team. Yeah. Yards per play, they're middle of the pack, 14th in mm. the NFL. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, that's what I mean. They're not smothering total. that way. Yeah. They're not smothering. And teams do go on some long drives and eat up the clock on them. And therefore, that's where we get back into, well, Green Bay, you better execute the next drive and go down the field. And it's just, to me, it's too hard to play that way. You know, it is. It's just, it is. And, and to me, the great offenses are, you know, again, 
Mahomes and Allen, they're never just looking for the check down. It's always, let me absolutely obliterate you and chop your fucking head off. Mm. And then if I can't do that, I'll just settle for chopping your finger off. Okay, very graphic. Thank you. Very gruesome. <laughs> uh, Ravens and Giants, that's coming up this week. Giants can go to 5-1 and one against Baltimore. So two defenses we've talked about so far. I mean, can the Giants contain Lamar Jackson? That's going to be a question. That will be a, be a question. It will. Now, they're going to know their defense a little bit. That's yeah, going to be you, interesting. Wink Martindale. Wink's going to know how to defend it. And the Giants have size to be able to feel confident about stopping the run. Um, but we know Lamar puts you in some binds and ha- makes you play some defenses you don't want to play at times. Yeah, who do you think has the advantage there? Mm. you got Wink's new team, the Giants, against his old team. They all know each other. Yeah. Lamar's going to know maybe how to attack that defense. A little. I'm going to go with Wink, though. Wink's an outside-the-box thinker, too. He's, he's capable of changing and self-scouting themselves and going, ooh, they might know I like to do that on that situation there. I won't mm. do that, right? I'm going to go with him there. And then, you know, the Ravens' defense, I'm sure they'll look better this week, too, to help their statistical thing. This is not a great offense they're having to worry about. Um, but, yeah, that's a you know, low-key, pretty damn good game that I'm actually excited to, I know, to watch. right? Yeah. Uh, who would have thought? Who yeah. would have thought going into the year? All right, so that's one New York team. Got to do the other New York team. We've, we have not gotten to talk about the New York teams glowingly here in the last few years, which is the craziest thing. It's like we live kind of in the Connecticut, New York market, and I always turn on the TV. And it was Sunday night, and it, you know, because Sunday night football goes into uh, Bruce Beck and right. the, the postgame show, yeah. and it's always some depressing talk about how, how far behind the oh, Jets and Giants are. a rough day in New York. Yeah, exactly. Right. Totally different now. And so we'll take a look at uh, the Jets. They beat the Miami Dolphins 40-17, to probably closer than that. Uh, game kind of got out of hand at the end. And, of course, Miami had that, that rookie third-string quarterback after Teddy Bridgewater got knocked out of the game. Um, but what, what could we have learned from the Jets' defense in this one? Um, they, they did hold down Tyreek and Jalen Waddell. Yeah. Um, was that just a function of it being a third-string quarterback, or are there some things the Jets do well that, that made life hard on them? Well, the Jets do do some things well. One thing you you do see when you turn on the film with them is incredible. they have incredible defensive speed. They really do. The two linebackers, Quan Alexander and Mosley, can fly. Whitehead and LaMarcus Joyner can fly. The corners, Reed and, and Sauce, can fly, right? They got pretty fast edge guys and Carl Lawson and uh, you know their our guy they drafted out of Florida State right and all of that uh, Jermaine Jackson. Jermaine Johnson right Johnson yep yep I mean so they got some guys there that can run you know Quinn and Williams athletic Sheldon Rankins athletic so they're good there now their biggest issue is they're small in the middle of their defense they're small on their defensive line in general. You know, Quinn and Williams is really their only great run-stopping defensive football player. So that's their issue. I'd love to come here and tell you that, man, I love the way the Jets looked, and it's just watch out, watch out. But that's not the case. It's one of those where, hey, I felt good about them watching on Sunday. But when you come away from watching the film, you go, well, I'm, they, they got a pretty fortunate that it was a third-string quarterback. I don't know if those results would have been the same if it was, if it was Teddy Bridgewater out there in that football game. Mm. You know, I do think that hamstrung the Dolphins offense. They had to dial it back a little bit with some of the passing concepts they wanted to run and all that. But I think that was the biggest issue was, you know, uh, let let Raheem Mostert and the Dolphins O-line kind of push them around and open up a lot of big holes. That was, to me, what concerned me more than anything for the Jets. But they do have some young guys. Sauce Gardner looked pretty good in this one. You mentioned Jermaine Johnson. Quinn and Williams maybe can still get better. So Swish B wants to know, do you think the Jets are on the verge of having an elite defense? Maybe not the verge, but... 
Is it in the cards with the talent they have on the roster I think, right now? I think it is. I don't Ooh. know if it's going to get there this year to go, oh, it's going to be elite. But I think you can get to a point this year where we go, they're, they're in the middle of football firmly, right? You know, somewhere between 10 and, let you know, I know right now they're at 10, right? Somewhere between 10 and 16. Like, I think there's no question about that. With the chance to look into next year and go, we can maybe be dominant, right? That That's, to me, where I kind of look at it. But this is still a huge job. We're, this is, I mean, almost a historically bad defense last year. So let's keep things into perspective here. You know, they're doing some good things. There's no doubt about it. And this group here is not easy to contain. That's for sure. I don't care who's at quarterback with them. You know, again, they got things that make you worry and they can stress you. And then along with McDaniel's ability to, you know, be creative, it makes them extra dangerous that way. And uh, so this was not an easy task, even for the for a defense going against the third string quarterback. Throw one other name out at you on this Jets defense. Yeah. John Franklin Myers. He's he's one of the standouts of their team. Defense to end, right? Not like a guy that you go, ooh. You know, I think they try to make up for this lack of smallness on their defense by giving, like, hey, here's a strong, a big defense end. I mean, I don't know what Jonathan Myers Franklin is, is or Franklin Myers. Franklin 6'4", Myers. 288. He's a strong side defense end. That's a pretty big strong side defense end. They try to use that to help out their football team. But yeah, I would say him and Quinn and Williams are the two guys that consistently jump out to me on a week to week basis on that D line. All right, so this was not this was not a mistake. Now it would have been tougher sledding with Teddy Bridgewater with with Tua there. You know, one of the tweets that I've seen pop up uh, on your timeline yeah. every once in a while, because everyone's, I'll dive in there. I'm like, what are they saying to Chris? And then I got to get out of there because I'm just like, it's like, this is this is negative. It's too negative. It's too depressing. I go, <laughs> Pete, you go in there. I'm not going back in there. Uh, but every once in a while when there's a Miami Dolphins discussion, they say, the, the, our offensive line is terrible. Our offensive line is not very good. Our offensive line is not very good. You noted that Greg Little got handled by John Franklin Myers in this one. Overall, did you see the the Dolphins' offensive line getting getting handled? They ran the ball pretty well. Yes. Yeah. No. I I I think that the Dolphins' offensive line is continuing to get better. Right. They're getting a little bit of an issue there for sure. Um, but I don't. They're. I don't know if they'll ever be great. But this goes back almost to our Bengals conversation. They do so much to help them out all the time. Right. That you're always worried about, whoa, outside zone. Whoa, fake this run, and now there's Raheem Mostert going this way. Oh, bootleg over here. Oh, reverse to Tyree Kill. Oh, reverse to Jalen Waddell. And then when it comes the time that they're drop back or they do drop back, you're going, wait, where's the reverse? Where's the side thing? Oh, wait, I can rush the passer now? So he helps them out if that makes sense, yep. right? They, okay. can't, they can't pin their they ears can't back pin and their, go. Exactly, that old phrase. They yep. can't just do that all the time. So that's where he helps out the offensive line. Um, but... Uh, you know, the, 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 that, that's, that is an issue for sure. But, again, I think, yeah, the Dolphins are on the up and up, and, and I still like their football team. I'm not giving up on them. And, and as long as Bridgewater or even Skylar Thompson continues to play, I, they're still going to be in the, the thick of things. I don't doubt that at all. Um, I want to make sure if I – did I hit everything? Did I we hit so. everything there? Yeah, you I sure? think so. Okay. My um, only issue with the Jets in the football game was up 19-7, to and they went for it on fourth and one at midfield. Oh okay, boy, The defense wasn't as good as everybody thought. Oh, but it's 19-17, to and you're playing a third-string quarterback. Like, punt the freaking ball down the field and make him drive the field. 
You're going to give the third-string quarterback throw one screen or one pass and they're in field goal territory and you're losing the game? Come on. Fucking fucking fuck oh, with this no. impressive shit. Yep. Triple F right yeah, there. You like that, right? He liked that up there. <laughs> yep. Sorry, Kristen. I have Don't. a fan base. They like when I Don't swear. They liked it. He just was startled here. <laughs> He's like, you can do that at work? No, I didn't know that. Um, I, yeah, I think um, if there's ever a fourth down in a game, you don't even know what happened, or a roughing the passer at this point. It's a pretty good, good bet that Chris is going to. Chris be is going to hit on it. He's going to be. He's going to hit on it. He's going to be mad about you it. You can guarantee. You can guarantee you that. Drop three Fs right in a row. But so. but th- just with that, like um, you know, hey, and then you know, again, I like a lot of things with the Jets' offense. They were fortunate at the end of the game with some Miami mistakes. All right, what Let's do you think, say that? What do you think they'll do against the Packers next? It'll be interesting to see. That will be again some common knowledge of the coaching staffs there. Yeah. They do have the team speed to make dink and dunk hard. I would worry about them being run on. That'll be the thing to watch out for. Could so, be a big AJ Dillon, it could be. Aaron Jones day. It could be, which then could lead to a big play action pass day and then actually being explosive and then people going, Chris, see, you're wrong. The Packers are explosive. Okay. We'll stay <laughs> with the Jets as we go to Pete's Punt Awards of the Week. Woo! Peter, 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 Peter. So, yeah, yeah. Peter, 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 Peter. They should have punted one more time. Then we wouldn't have to bleep you out three times in a row talking about their fourth down. Yes. 117 punts this week. Pete watched every one of them seven times. So he's he's analyzed them. We've got the (laughs) flyer of the week. It was a good week for flyers, Pete notes. Honorable mention to the Jaguars corner Chris Claybrooks and Cowboys corner Kelvin Joseph. So we got some honorable mentions out there now. But. The winner is the Jets corner, Brandon Eccles, six-round pick out of Kentucky back in 2021. Three key punts. He forced a fair catch. He had a tackle on the other one and fielded a one-hopper at the three-yard line. So, Brandon Eccles, congratulations. Way to go, Brandon Eccles. Way to win the Peter Peter Award. I think that's what we should call it. Pete's Pun Awards or oh, yeah. Peter Peter's part of the punt. It is. Peter, that's get away from yeah, it, right? right? Get away. Peter so, Peter Peter. Yeah, the Peter Peter Award. Peter Peter Awards. Right. Peter Peter Pun Awards. Peter Peter Pun Awards. <laughs> I like that even better. All right. The Peter Peter Punter of the Week is Falcons punter Bradley Pinion. It was a revenge game for him. He Eight will year. pin you in. Yeah, yeah, that's a great name the for five. a punter. Eight-year vet was cut by the Bucks in June after they selected punter Jake uh, Camarada. Camarda, Camarda. Jeez, the you were supposed to be the enunciation <laughs> king of the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm better than you, maybe slightly at times. Uh, six punts, three went inside the 20, and the others were just outside. Uh, he kept flipping field position there. So congratulations, Bradley Pinion, pinning him deep. Way to go. Uh, and, and almost, yeah, almost pulled out a win for the Falcons this week. So the Peter, Peter Punter Awards. Your trophies are in the mail. Yes, they are. We are developing them. Now they're, they're, we're making them with the T-shirts right now. We're getting very close. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, sure they are. <laughs> Sore subject. Pete's like, don't bring that up. Don't bring that up again. All right, as we move on yeah. now. To the New Orleans Saints, taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Saints won thanks in large part to Taysom Hill and the offense, 39-32. So basically, we want to look at this as what's wrong with the Saints defense. Because yeah. I thought, when I looked at the rosters in the in the preseason, uh-huh. I was like, well, they got the talent there. They got the names. Looks yeah. like this will be a pretty good defense. Eric Wilkerson wants to know the same thing I want to know. What's wrong with the Saints D? Right. There's hope for the Saints D. Oh. Okay. It's it's um it's close. It really is. You know, they're like even this game. This was a shocking game to watch. You know, again, you know, you know, we're watching a lot of games at one o'clock on on a Sunday, seeing all the big plays from the Seahawks, right? 
And you're going, man, how'd they get in position there? What'd they do? What, how did they get to this point? How'd they get to the 50? To I mean, this is one where if you just watched the highlights, you'd go, well, those were the plays. That, that was it. Hmm. They, they were smothering to the Seahawks in a lot of ways. All the touchdowns and big plays you saw were the offense. I mean, it really is amazing. They're the anti-Packers. I, I mean, seriously. Big plays. Seriously. It really is. It's like run for nothing, run for two. Whoa, he ripped off 40. Run for two, run for one. Whoa, he ripped off 70. I mean, it's really what it is. You know, pass for four, pass for five, maybe three and out, next drive, run for one, post route for 50, touchdown. I mean, that's, that's really how the game was. The Saints defense is still really good. It's still really well coached, all right? I think the biggest thing here is, you know, they're a defense that goes for the kill a little bit. They go for the smother. Their first touchdown, they let up to DK Metcalf, right? You know, it's third and four, maybe third and five, somewhere in that range. I think they have the Seahawks broken down as when it's third and four, third and five, they like to run routes for six yards and just barely get the first down, right? So they got a ton of guys right in that area, right? But Geno kind of buys time in the pocket, escapes a little bit, and they lose track of DK Metcalf, who's really running a five-yard route over the middle, but he sees Geno now kind of moving, and he just breaks deep. And Geno makes an incredible throw kind of on the run and hits it that way. My, my thing would be there where they're a little different maybe than years past, and maybe they maybe have to reevaluate, at least in, in my two cents here. The D-line's not as dominant. Mm. Their D-line where in the past, you and me doing a pod and all that, I used to go, well, they don't even have to put the safety down in the box. Their D-line's good enough to stop the run, right? They don't even have to blitz Tom Brady, right? They can just get there with four. And really, it's... It's still a good D-line. Don't get me wrong. Cam it, Jordan. Exactly. Marcus Davenport. Right. David uh, Onyemata. Right. Right. You know, um, it, it's it's still good. Not as good, you're But saying. not as dominant and smothering as it once was. Mm -hmm. They can't collapse the pocket quite as a hurry. So when they call these defense, where they go, <gasps> you know, we're taking a chance here. We're not blitzing, but we're trying to really take away something and give them nothing on third and six. To where if that pass rush doesn't get there, it's like, oh, but we have some holes over here because we really overplayed trying to take this away from our breakdown of what we think they're going to do. And if our pass rush doesn't get there and somebody breaks to that one area that we're kind of vulnerable at or we're playing man here and we expect the pass rush to only get them, let them have like two and a half seconds to throw the ball, and damn, now, now it's four seconds to throw the ball, uh-oh, we could be in trouble. That would be my sense. Big plays are the only problem with them. And if you kind of look through the year as I was watching the film, I started to go back and went, it, that's really what it is. I mean, mm. they smothered the Panthers. They had their own fumble picked up for a touchdown. He threw a ball in the flat to LaVisca Chennault, and they missed tackles, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of that throughout the year. In the pack, even in the, the Buccaneers game, they're doing a good job. Pass rush didn't get there. One-on-one -on -one down the field, Brady hit a long touchdown pass, right? And then they threw a pick six and stuff like that. It's things like that. It's a little self-inflicting mm. and then a little bit of they're just letting up the big play a little too much on that side of the ball. And I do think it's because they're expecting a little too much out of the pass rush and not quite getting there. And the safeties are not uh, well, preventing the big play. Tyron Matthew Honey Badger, another guy who's been in the league quite a bit. PFF has him rated as the 10th best safety in the league this season. I don't know how that's possible. Do, do, I was going to ask, do you agree with that ranking, but you already disagree? Yeah, I, I, I totally disagree. You know, I, I mean. What would you see in this game? 
first off, I see a guy that doesn't really want to tackle anymore. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. You know, whether it's the LaVisca Chenault play from two weeks ago against the Carolina Panthers or that first touchdown I was talking about with DK Metcalf. I mean, he's at the five-yard line. It's just put your body in front of DK Metcalf. I mean, would you want to do that? No, I would not. But I'm not being paid, I think, $12 million a year to play safety right now. And I'm not Honey Badger. And that's his job. It ain't my job. My job is to sit here and talk about you when you don't do your job. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot easier. <laughs> right, yeah. Way easier. <laughs> so, yes, you know, turning down tackles for sure. That would be a bother me. Mm. And then even in, you know, in coverage, it's not great. It's just not great. So that's where, I, I mean, again, I think there was a little too much of like sometimes with these rankings like, whoa, he did his job. He he backpedaled as the deep safety into hit the middle third. Whoa, that was that was deep. Whoa, wow. He he can backpedal in the middle third, but but what about when he's asked to make a play, and it just becomes like a normal negative? And I'm gonna go. No, that's like nine negatives. That should be like drops you down twenty fucking percent because every safety in football should make that play. But you're just going oh minus play. And I'm gonna go. No, that's egregiously a fucking horrible play. So. Yeah, that's that's the issue there. Paulson Adebo didn't have his best day at corner. You know, they got him in some situations, but it's some situations too where I think he's expecting safety help. Really on both long touchdowns to Tyler Lockett, he's in compromised positions and definitely can play a little bit of the safeties on both of those long plays. All right. But you mentioned Geno gave him problems and give credit to Geno and the Seahawks offense. They've They've been pretty good. They put up points against my Detroit Lions. What a great defense they have. Uh, uh, Lazy Brahman. Yeah. Lazy Brahman has uh, tweeted you and said, is it possible that Geno is better suited for Waldron, uh, Shane Waldron's offense, the offensive coordinator, than Russ ever was? Does the Shanahan-McVay offense operate better with a system quarterback? He has cousins in there, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, rather than an improviser-slash-instinctive quarterback. Well, you know, again, what you want is the guy that does a little bit of both, right? I mean, again, if Shanahan and McVay had Mahomes or Josh Allen, like, watch the fuck out. It's over. The fucking league's over. It's just they're going to kill you. All right, so that's where now, but when you ask me about ooh, one or the other, the guy that maybe is more systemish or the guy that's, you know, more backyardish, I yeah. would go, oh, the, the systemish guy is going to be better for the offense, right? You know, that's what we saw from the Rams last year. We got, they got a guy that could kind of do both. Not that he could make backyard plays, but he can make backyard throws to where you're like, whoa, nobody was open here, but he kind of just was in an awkward position and threw a ball sidearm on a 40-yard post. Like, whoa. That, so that's, that's what you get there. But I do think that Gino is more interested in, in carving you up from the pocket and more interested in utilizing the system to his abilities rather than Russ where I was talking about. It's a lot of – it's always been a little bit, but it's more now than ever of just look at one guy, look for the one-on-one shot – Hey, there's a concept of three guys over here. Read it out and hit the throw. Gino's more willing to do that. That's the biggest thing. Hmm. And Gino's very comfortable in the pocket. And as I've told everybody here, and maybe somebody can actually give me props a little bit for on Twitter for the first time in the history. I know that's not. I know my homies do, but like he's physically got gifts that are good. I mean, he's got an incredibly strong arm. He's incredibly accurate on high level throws. So he does deserve some credit. They're actually a lot of fun to watch. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Those quarterbacks that Lazy Brahman mentioned. Yeah. What if Gina was on yeah, good all question. four of those teams? What if Gina was on the 
Vikings? What if he was on the Colts? What if he was on the Lions? What if he was on the 49ers? Which of those four teams would be better with Geno than their current quarterback? Oof. You're really putting it to I me here. To, yeah. yeah, I know. It just came to my head. Gosh. I'm going to say I'm going to say all of them except for Kirk Cousins. And that's even close to me. It's close. And you're seeing here with Geno getting to play a little bit and get some reps and get used to the game. Geno ain't the issue in Seattle. Not at all. I mean, he's the, one of the, the brightest, shiny objects on the team right now. So he's capable of doing more than Jimmy and Goff. And with Matt Ryan at this point of his career. Matt Ryan still really knows how to play the position. And like I said, I give him a lot of credit for the way he played in that game last week. He has nothing around him. Nothing. No pass protection, nothing. And he was still kind of working the pocket and making it happen. I, he's tough as hell. All right? So as all, all time, but right now, Geno's fucking good. I'd like to go, ooh, let's put some of those guys in Seattle and see if their offense is good without Geno. Because I'd go, some of those guys are not going to make those throws or move in the pocket like he is. And, yeah, this is a great story right now we're having with Geno. And a guy that, again, I think the perception let us down the wrong reality about the guy. And hopefully it's getting corrected now a little bit. People tried to write him off, but he, you know, he didn't write back. He didn't back. write back. He didn't he write said, back. Screw that crap. I got no ink in the pen. Uh, they take on the Cardinals this coming week. That'll be an interesting matchup against that defense. And Geno, see how he does there. And the Bengals take on the Saints. Oh, that'll be interesting. A defense for the Saints that gives up a lot of big plays. And the Bengals, they could use some big plays. Yeah. Holy crap. That I mean, is an interesting one. Holy. They'll finally get on I'm track. Like, I'm still digesting who's playing this week. I literally just looked at the future schedule. I wouldn't this have known. But this Pete morning. Put it, yeah, Pete put it in the rundown, and so I was able to read it. I'm just believing this is true. Pete, is this true? Yeah. These teams play each other? <laughs> he believes but, so. But we'll say that, that could be fun. I mean, yeah. the one thing you say about the Seahawks, Noah Fant, Metcalf, Lockett, and Kenneth Walker, woo! Yeah. That that group can fly right there. Yep. That's where they're fun. They're like literally lose a yard or gain fifty. That's their that's their offensive game plan right now, which is which makes it mean, means an exciting game. Those are the guys that get all the headlines. Those fast guys, the muscular guys. Yeah. But you know who make the game run? The big butt guys. That's right. It is we that like time. Big butts, and we cannot lie. The big butt of the week award winners. We woo! got a defensive tackle. We got an edge guy here. And so we'll start with our edge guy. We're going to give this to a, a team that actually lost this past week, the Denver Broncos. Uh, I like this one. Their line. He used to play. He's playing more edge now than linebacker. Woo. Baron Browning. Yes, Baron Browning. Give it to him, Ahmed. He uh, his butt's not that big. Not that but big. Damn, but it's got some fast switch fibers in it. Qualifies by the position he plays. Yeah. Second year guy, third round pick out of uh, Ohio State a couple of years ago. He had ten pressures in the game on just twenty pass rushing snaps. He is to me. I'm glad you're giving this guy some love. This is one of the underrated stars of the league so far this year. You know, this is like, I, I mean, I'm blown away by him. I really mm. am. And, and even, listen, you could tell the team's blown away by him. When Bradley Chubb tells, you know, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, oh, Randy Gregory's not in, it really won't make a difference for us. That just tells you it all, that they're seeing it every day, all the time. And that's not disrespect to Randy Gregory. It's just that... I think we're kind of seeing a, the start of a legit freaky edge rusher here and the start of something really like they struck gold with this guy. Yeah, and, and people yeah. might go, well, where was he last year? Plug and play 16? 
uh, tweeted us, Hey, fellas, can we get a damn okay for Baron Browning, even in a losing effort? Browning was an inside linebacker as a rookie last year playing out of position. Yeah. Sky's the limit. Cheers, yeah. he right. says. Yeah. So it's yeah. really it's awesome. Yeah, and he was uh, mainly uh, if I'm remembering correctly an inside linebacker at Ohio State who occasionally might have got a blitz off the edge. Uh but obviously they saw you know a little bit like the Micah Parsons thing where they just went wait wait this guy's put on a few snaps in college and well, in practice, he keeps winning, and, well, a game, he keeps winning. Well, he can actually do this, and, yeah, I think they got it now. And now he has a big butt of the week award right. to his name, as does on the defensive line and interior portion of the big butt of the week award oh, winners. Oh, wow. You really we're, went we're, under we're, the radar here. We're going to Aaron Donald. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was moving around the defensive line, made life bad on a lot of those offensive linemen for the Cowboys, including Zach Martin, who looked pretty bad in this game. Two sacks. Four tackles, six pressures. I was like, how do you have a big butt of the week award without giving it to Aaron Donald at least once? I think that's just And he was very good. And this just goes to show that you don't need to win the game to win the award. So all edge guys and defensive tackles right. out there, if you're losing, keep going hard. Keep going hard. Because you might win this award. You might be able to do it. Look at that. Whoa, look at and that. look at this. Wow, we've got uh, the award in the middle here if you're watching on YouTube or Peacock. And then we have Aaron Donald on the left. And we have Baron Browning on the right. We Who need made a, this? We need a smaller elephant butt on this one. Though. Yes. It needs to be like a diet elephant <laughs> yeah, butt. They're a little, not a little smaller, a yeah. little smaller, you know, tramp stamp with the unbuttoned logo on there. What if we, yeah, we give them just one butt? You know, it's like there's some weeks it's like two or three butt. Yeah, one butt cheek for each of these. Uh, great job with the graphic. I like that. All right. Great job by you. And he was. He was amazing. I really, listen, I picked the Rams last week because I thought this will be the week that Cooper Rush – you know, we'll throw a pick to Jalen Ramsey or, you know, Aaron Donald will get there and strip sack him or do something like that. And, of course, he made him fumble one time, and the ball yes. was on the ground for about four seconds, and the Cowboys recovered. Uh, but I thought that really would be maybe the way they upset Dallas, and, of course, that didn't happen, but he so, was still phenomenal. So perfect segue yeah. to that game because you did deep dive into the Cowboys against the Rams, and we really – even though the Rams got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and they were going to be the story coming into the season, they have struggled. It's been that Cowboys defense that has uh, turned some heads. And it really started last year with Micah Parsons and all that he did last year and Trayvon Diggs leading the NFL in, in interceptions. But they have gotten, I don't know, arguably better this year. Um, Pete asked a good question off the top here. From looking at the tape of their most recent game against the Rams, are they getting more dominant now due to their talent? Or the way they're being coached? Mm, that's a really that's a good question by Pete. Um, I, I think what when you start to see a defense be this dominant, it's, it's a combination of both, right? That's where I look at it. And listen, they're going to get up, give up some big plays like we saw the Cooper Cup shallow cross because, you know, they, they go for the jugular a lot, which is going to create a lot of big plays for them too. But you know they they're looking to really like smother you and make you punt. They want to be like, no, you got zero yards and now you got to punt the ball. We didn't give you anything. You're three and out. You know, like where some other defenses are like, well, we don't like when you get in this formation. We'll give you the six yard completion or whatever. They're like, nope, we're not giving you anything. But I, I've said this I think a few times over the last two weeks. Dan Quinn is a guy that uh, deserves major props. He went back to the, la- the, 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 uh, the lab with a pen, pen and a pad and, and got his damn label off, as Dr. Dre said. Yeah, okay. I mean, he changed it. He changed his defense. And we see a lot of the Seattle scheme guys, right? They can't ever break out of the mold. Well, he did. He reevaluated and went, wait, I'm going to be a little different, a little trickier, a little skies more. 
you know, a little bit like you don't know what you're going to get from me. And then I think when you couple that with the talent they have, that's when you start to go, whoa, nobody seems to be able to do shit against this defense. So it's a little bit of both. The talent, I misevaluated it. It's better than what I thought. I knew they had some good guys at some positions, but I think there's some surprises for me overall. And then his defense, he's even evolved even from last year to where it's even more this year, and uh, that's where I give him a lot of credit. You know, I wonder if that was out of necessity when he got there too because that defense was so bad, right? It was just – it was maybe – it was in the conversation for worst in the NFL. That like, year I, before he got there, it was. Oh, that was before he that got was there. there. Yeah, all the right, year so before. He, it was maybe horrible. He goes there and he's right. just like, all right, we gotta do we gotta do some different things here. We just can't play, you right. know, our guys and line up against your guys. And then you get talent along with that, and maybe it was like, Well, why don't we keep doing the same things here too and, and make it difficult for him? I mentioned the players that, that stand out, but when you were watching film, ninety two kept standing out for you. He you just hit on Barrett Browning or the yep. you know this would be another guy that I'd go, you need to keep your eye on him to give him some love here. He'd be one of the more underrated Robin Hood superstars of football on defense so far this year. Dorrance Armstrong. Dorrance Armstrong, number 92. Every game I turn on, I go, damn, this guy, he's one of the guys I was just talking about that I misevaluated. I just didn't think he could win one-on-ones as consistently as he does. Yes. I mean, it is, he, he starts the game off. Just whoops the shit out of the left tackle and the left guard. Back-to-back plays. And, of course, gets the strip sack that allows Demarcus Lawrence to to pick it up and run for a touchdown. But, yeah, he has been phenomenal. And, you know, they're scary when they get into, like, some pass rush situations. When they have, like, him at defensive tackle and Demarcus Lawrence at defensive tackle and then have Micah Parsons and Dante Fowler on the edge, like, whoa, they're going to win one of those one-on-ones. And then Dan Quinn almost guarantees they're going to be one-on-one a lot of the times because he does something creative, whether it's a guy that blitzes to make the fifth rusher or a guy that kind of fakes that blitz right to keep that guy there so they can't go double somebody. He's very good at that. So he is one of those guys that pops. And that's when you get into Dallas when you go, okay, those four guys I just mentioned, you talk about Neville Gallimore, who's an issue at defensive tackle. Uh, Tristan Hill's a good bit backup defensive tackle. You know, the defensive line is phenomenal and deep. They got two incredible athletic linebackers and Michael Parsons and Vander Esch. And then their corners. They got three legit, like, you can trust them man-to-man corners. And Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, and, of course, Trayvon Diggs. The only part of their defense I look at to go, if they had a safeties there, I'd go watch out. They'd be, you wouldn't be able to do anything. You think the safeties are the weak safeties link? Safeties are the weak link. But they're not asked to do a whole lot or put in a lot of pressure situations to where they're not going to be dependent on. But, you know, they, they attack you right now. And uh, it's the talent and the coaching together that combine to make them very, very hard to move the ball against. I mean, Amin, you saw some of my notes. I, I'm sorry. I just had to go off here. I mean,. Stafford's dropping back to pass, and he's not even like in the gathering. He's he's literally getting the ball and going, "Okay, let me look at the first read." <gasps> oh my gosh! I mean, it's it's like what? I mean, poor Matthew Stafford. He's getting fucking killed. He got his Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't right. Feel that Just kill him, him now. That's right. Look at you, bitter Detroit fan. No, yeah. I, I no, rooted I for him to get the Super Bowl, yeah. and that was it. Now, now I'm, it's I'm over. over it. Now I'm over <laughs> it. Yeah, you, you noted in your notes here. They created a lot of chaos, blitzing, moving guys around, right. just their speed Stunts, and everything. twists, all those things. How right. much of that, though, you think for this game specifically, they've done that all year, but yeah. how much of that was a lack of fear in what the Rams can do I, I think that's a big part of it. Definitely that, too. You know, there's, there's, they felt good about, hey, as long as we can cover Cooper Cup, we're, we're really nobody that scares us. 
right? I know they hit the big play to two two Atwell the post route. That other than that, there's nothing to worry about. And like I said, with those corners, and then I think even with those corners, a few times they were like, so what? Let's put them on an island. That their 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 pass pro will only hold up for like two seconds. So who cares if we put them on an island? Uh, so I think there was definitely some of that. Um, the Rams, yeah, the Rams are they're going to have to do it with smoke and mirrors this year. It's 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 ugly. It's not going to get a whole lot better. You know, but between that defense and the special teams of the Cowboys, man, they attack you. They don't let you off the hook. And then the offense is doing the right things there. And that's where, you know, they're dangerous right now. And it's a real good defense. This weekend will prove to me, I know they're a top 10 defense and probably the most creative turnover type of defense in football that we got. Are they... Are they like a deep? They're, they're on the verge, though, of like, are they a defense like the 2015 Broncos, where we're just going to go, whoa, the offense sucks, but the defense scores a touchdown every game? Or the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars, where we just go, I, I don't know how they're doing this. They really don't do much on offense, but their defense gets a strip sack yeah. and a touchdown every draw, every game, if not. One touchdown and then sets the offense up with a short field every yeah. game. That team was more Blake Bortles. Yeah, but still, I, yeah, yeah. exactly. You know where I was going there. I knew you were <laughs> going to bring that up. But yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's to me what I want to see this weekend. Are they that special or are they just real good and they're going to make plays? And I understand they're real good, but they have a chance to me to be like, whoa, this is a defense that can kind of like win games by themselves a little bit. They've been fortunate to not have to play a complete offense yet. All right. And so that'll be the first. This will be the first time. So this will be the real big test. And we get that on NBC Woo, Sunday Night baby. Football. Watch the pregame show Football Night in America with Chris Sims before that. That guy, Oliver, wants to know about that game. Yeah. He goes, what's different about Dan Quinn, Falcon head coach, and Dan Quinn Cowboys, D.C.? You kind of mentioned that. Yeah. And if you were Nick Sirianni right. and Shane Steichen, right. how do you attack this revamped scheme of Dallas? Yeah, I, th- this is a game I would certainly say, uh, I mean, and you know this is my one issue with Philly. They leave the run game too often. You know, uh, Don't let this group, as you said earlier in the podcast, pin their ears back and go crazy. Yeah. And if it gets into a passing game, I don't care how good your offensive line is, you know, they're, they're going to create some mismatches or get home a few times to where the run game and all of that, I think, could calm down Dan Quinn. You know, like I said, when you're stunting and moving and twisting and doing all that, you know, again, the right run call, like, oh, wait, we're, we're, we were stunting this way and now they're blocking down that way. And now we have a, a D gap on the outside that's you know fifteen yards wide. The guy that's there is, has no chance to win it. That's where they'll have to be a little bit like, whoa, no, no, you just take your gap, you take your gap. Let's be a little more vanilla. That would be the thing I would look at more than anything. They're still going to do some of that, and because of their corners and how good we just talked about, I think they're going to be a little bit like, yeah, we'll trust our guy here. This situation, we're not going to let you run the read option or you know fake the ball, and then run out on the edge, right? And then, oh, wait, we have an extra guy there. Now you get to throw the Dallas Goddard out in the flat, and he runs up the sideline for 10 yards, right? Because they have checks. So I think they're going to be able to, because of their talent, play a little man, have a guy on Goddard, you know, and maybe have a guy there for Jalen Hurts, too, to where that could be fun. But the run game is to where I look at it for Philly. If they drop back and throw the ball too much, they're going to play right into Dallas's hands. It's going to be fun to watch either way how both teams uh, react to this one. 
And uh, if uh, you want a chance to win free Sunday Night Football gear, you can do that. You can sign up for the Sunday Night Football Inside SMS program so you can be the first to know about the giveaways here. you got to text SWAG to 763-622 to sign up today. Participation is optional. We do want to note that. Uh, message and data rates do uh, may what apply. What is this bullshit? What? They got swag and we don't? They don't even know what swag is on Sunday well, Night Football. We've, I mean, pro- we've promised it before. They don't even to. know. I mean, geez, Tariko and Collinsworth, they don't know swag. <laughs> what are we doing? Right, yeah, mean, what is the swag? Well, I mean, do we have any idea on. what the swag is? We're talking about swag here on this podcast. It's year four here at NBC. We still can't get swag. <laughs> We're working through legal. We're working through legal. Damn. As you can see here, Damn. participation no, cool. is optional. That sounds cool. I, I'll take some swag if somebody here, here wants to give me some. I'll, or maybe I'll text message 763-622. Uh, <laughs> Whenever I've worn the NBC <laughs> swag on the podcast, though, you've yelled at me. I know. So I, I don't know that you. you would wear it. Right. No, you're right. I would. <clears throat> don't want to be a corporate. Yeah, I've never seen you in an NBC show. I want one either. of the, the, our new Peacock. Or our new Football Night in America logo. I love our new Peacock right now. You've noticed that's different, right? There's a new Peacock logo? Yeah. What do you mean? There's no outline on the Peacock this year. It's just the color, right? It's just the color. There used to be a little white edge outline. Look it up. Wow. Um, I notice things like that. Okay. I scout I scout logos. <laughs> you didn't know that? I did not. <laughs> you went a deep dive into the logo. Like, I, I feel like I would have noticed that, but I, I didn't notice nothing about it. I was actually shocked that you didn't because you're didn't. usually kind of observant with stuff like that, too. And I'm a company guy. Yeah. I'm usually into that kind of right, stuff. Right. But I know I missed that. I'm going to yeah. have to go look that up. Yeah. Uh, go look up this as well because uh, you might be able to win some money. Bet MGM Defensive Player of the Year. The Defensive Player of the Year odds, thanks to Bet MGM. Uh, let's take a look at them here. For those listening, Micah Parsons is the odds-on favorite right now at minus 110. Then you got Nick Bosa at plus 700. Probably got worse a little bit with that groin injury. Yeah, Who knows how long he'll be out. Aaron Donald is there at plus 1,400. <coughs> they didn't know he just won the Big Butt of the Week award. Miles Garrett, Rashawn Gary, Max Crosby at plus 2,500. Uh, what's the best bet right now? You're not going to get great value for Micah Parsons, but... He might be the guy that would win you money. Yeah. Might I, win it. Well, well, let me just start there. Michael Parsons, to me, is the best defensive player in football. You know, it's, and Aaron Donald's right there with him. But, but man, I don't know. I just right now, I, I might give the crown to Michael Parsons. It's every week. He's so noticeable on the field and does it from different positions. Bosa, those two are the leaders, in, in my opinion. Aaron Donald's got, got great value right now. Plus 1,400. Yeah. I mean... They're going to have to rely on their defense mm. to where you know it might give them some opportunities or give him some chances to where they might have to be more aggressive, blitz, create some mismatches. Is there, you know, I, I, it's it's hard. And then Max Crosby again is he's an incredible football player, and I don't think they're going to be good enough. Maybe, but he could end up a guy that we just see as like, you know, he can go on a tear of sacks. He's he's close every game to getting three or four sacks, and even we saw the other night. You know, I don't know how many he ended up with, one or two, but he was like, there was like four other plays where you're like, oh my, he just missed him. Whoa, he was there again, right? So he could be that long shot guy. It sounded weird. I think that's the first time in my life I've I've said that in like seven or eight years. With the Raiders have a guy like that? Well, or no, that that Micah Parsons is the best player and defense oh. player in football. I I think I've been saying Aaron Donald for seven years straight. Mm. I don't think I've never not said that. Micah Parsons should have been the MVP last year. I, I still think he affected, and we talked about him more on a weekly basis than T.J. Watt, and that's no disrespect to T.J. Watt. He was amazing. Uh, but, yeah, I think he 
It's it's close. He might wow. have passed him up here, and and I know Aaron Donald is the man. Depending on the severity of Nick Bosa's injury, yeah. I think that's pretty good value, too. I don't know. Do we yeah. know how long or what the deal is there? They, they were kind of like making comments early in the week that it was like day-to-day. They were just going to see how the week played out, which yeah. tells me it must not be horrible. But, you know, be careful. Don't push that one. Yeah. You know, just it's let's you're good, the 49ers. Hopefully you can can deal with with being without him for a week or two and let him get totally healthy. The action never stops at BetMGM. You can sign up now using the bonus code SIMS. Your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000, Chris. So say you bet $100 on the big butt award winner Aaron yeah. Donald <laughs> yeah, to also you? take home the Defensive Ooh. Player of the Year award. If you win, you'll get $1,400. But if you lose, you'll still get $100 worth of free bets. Simply download the BetMGM. MGM app today or go to betmgm.com enter bonus code sims to make your first wager risk-free up to one thousand dollars one piece of advice don't bet on the lions never bet on the lions no. as a detroit lions fan there was one time what was it earlier this year where they were favored for the first time in like a year and a half right i was the like commander's I would, game i believe yeah that's right yeah i was like and they did cover, but I was like, I would never bet. And the Lions Nobody fan is never going like to want to Lions. Bet. It's like we don't, we don't want to. Although they have covered, I think they actually have done pretty well. Yeah. Pete notes they're three and two versus the spread, so they never lose by as much as uh, you think until well, this week. Until this week, <laughs> when you actually start believing, it was a very Lions way uh, to play for their fans. They got shut out by the New England Patriots, twenty-nine nothing. When when I saw this show up in my text messages from the cursive handwriting, I was like, what? I didn't want to look at this game. I'd already got this game out of my out of my head. Um, but you you brought it back, Chris. Why did you do this? Why well, did you want to look at this? Well, game I again? just wanted to get a like a quick look. I didn't like deep dive this game maybe yeah. as much as some of the other ones, but just wanted to feel a little bit. One just to look at Bailey Zappi. I knew that you know that was going to be a com- topic of conversation. Two, it's the highest scoring offense in football. I yeah. want to see how it got shut down. Right. And uh, just see how the game played out. Because as you know, and as we talk about all the time, scores, stats are misleading. They are. And this one would classify it a little bit. I, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, here, here's all you got to need to know. You know, because there's the talk this week of Bailey Zappi. Should they bench Max Jones and go with Bailey Zappi? That's coming I mean, from Bill Belichick. I I mean, like. He just didn't squash it. <laughs> he probably does like the pressure on Mac a little bit, who yeah. was too careless with the football. But... Like, come on, everybody. Like, what are we going to do this every time a backup quarterback comes in and wins a game now? We're going to go, I think they should bench the starter. Like, no. it's it's Bailey Zappi was good. All right? But here's the point, and this is why Dan Campbell and Jared Goff, thank you for losing the game for the D- Detroit Lions. All right? I'm going to get on Ahmed here. I mean, at one point he was 5 for 7 for 63 yards and an interception, and they were up 13 nothing. Whoa, man, they wouldn't have made it without Bailey Zappi. How did they get there? I mean, okay, well, let me tell you how they got there. I mean, dumb shit by Detroit, right? If there's a dumb award this week, Detroit won it. The same thing, this is one that was real. The going for it on the fourth down on the first drive of the third-string quarterback was just absolutely stupid. That was a fourth and one. Yes. They didn't get it. No, did not get it. Against a team that's like, like not going to let you just run it up the middle. Or do something like that. So they don't get it. Oh, hey, third string quarterback, you know, hey, get in the rhythm here and get some. So they do that. You know, and then, of course, you know, my next issue. All right. The interception by Goff was horrible. My point is, like, New England never, 
Like, it was never like, oh, whoa, they just stopped them and smothered them. I mean, you guys were moving the ball down the field on them. And then it's the interception, and then it's the next drive. It's fourth and nine, and he fumbles the ball, and they pick it up and run for a touchdown, and it's like it's game over. It's, it's game over because now it's like, oh, now you've played, right, this is New England's got you where they want you. Oh, great, they're up by 13. You guys can't stop the run. And now they're allowed to run at every play. And you're probably going to have to pass more than you have to run. And that's the worst thing to do against Bill Belichick. Oh, he knows you're going to have to pass it a whole lot. He doesn't have to worry about stopping the best thing on your football team, which is your O-line and your run game. So that was huge. That they, You were going to be able to make plays on them throughout. The one thing I took away from early in the game, and I think you saw this in my notes, is you could tell the Patriots were scared of the Lions' run game and the offensive line. They were loading up the box and worried about that. And it was going to lend itself to great looks in the passing game. But when you make – it's like Dan Campbell went in and was like, nobody beats New England or New England, so we got to be aggressive to beat them. It's like he went in with that preconceived notion, and I want to be like, why? There's been plenty of teams that have beat New England or New England. It just happened two weeks ago. The Ravens did it. Like, what, what was the reason for being like that? And that was my, my biggest two cents, along with your defense is not very good. It doesn't have a lot of talent, and it's not coached that well. That was the Well, that's, that seems to be a big deal. Yeah. Um, so let's go to that Lions defense, unfortunately, because that was the other story of them having the best offense or top-scoring offense in the NFL. Yeah. They also had the worst defense. And, right. Uh, they have allowed 34 points per game, by far the worst in the, in the NFL. So they got Aiden Hutchinson. Earlier this year had a game where he had three sacks in the first half. I was like, all right, this is good. I like this. And they had used some draft capital on the defensive line, edge guys. Um, Jeff Okuda in the secondary was back. So where, where is the breakdown? Yeah. What, what, what happened? Well, it's, like, it's a deadly combination of a little bit of like, yeah, the, the, the coaching is not great. It's not overly creative. They do seem to make some mistakes and things like that. And then you couple that with, but, uh, you say what you, it's below average talent on that side of the ball. It, it just, it is. Aiden Hutchinson's really the only blue chip football player on your defense. He's the only guy. Michael Brockers, it's, it's getting up there in years. You know, McNeil, your other defensive tackle, is a true run stuffer. Your other pass rusher, Charles Harris, I mean, there's a reason he's on his third or fourth team here in, in, in the last five years. All right? Middle linebackers, nothing to write home about. Nobody in the secondary to really write home about. And they have injuries there, too. Right. Akuda's been better, definitely. I mean, he's definitely been better. You know, is it third pick of the draft better? No. So I think when you add those two things together – and then you mismanage a game, that's how you end up going, wait, there's no way they're 29 pen- points better than us or we should be shut out here. That, 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 it just snowballed out of control because of some of those issues. Because I think Pete and Gabby and Kristen wanted to make me completely miserable. We have a graphic on how bad the Lions have been under Aaron Glenn. And this is not how I remember it, to be honest with you, because I was talking before the podcast. I was like, Aaron Glenn, I thought his name was in some conversations for – you know, head coaching jobs. I don't know if he had any interviews. It, it, did, um, it did surface but, up a but, few times. Yeah, but their their numbers are are very similar to what they were last year. They were a little bit better last year, um, but but not that great. And so, how much longer is Aaron Glenn going to last in Detroit? I don't know. You think? They got to change their approach. I know that. You know, like just you know, lack of disguise. You know, they have all the issues that I, that worry me. Lack of disguises, no creativity. Quarterback can just line line up and go. Oh, they're playing this. That's good. Okay, I feel good. I feel good. It's easy to call plays against them. 
And that, to me, there's got to be something there. Hey, it's not working the way you're doing, so go to the totally opposite approach. You might as well be crazy and exotic and get fucked up than just be normal and simple and get fucked up. Yeah, get the ball back. You got a pretty good exactly. offense. Exactly. So just maybe you play that game. That, that, that might be the way they have to do it, but they certainly got to readjust that uh, to, to a degree. Um, yeah. You know, because they, they should not be losing 29 to nothing to the Patriots. All right, Lions, Lions have a bye this week, and always the joke in Michigan. They're, they're not going to lose this week, and that's, we always say that. We love that joke in Michigan. It's like the dad joke of the week, <laughs> but uh, it is true for the Lions this week. They get to rest and, and think about that previous game. It's probably one of those situations where Dan Campbell wanted a good game, be like, you get the whole week off, and oh, then I know. you get blown out 29 nothing. We did like, rock bottom. See you Tuesday. Rock, yeah, we, we better show up. It would not look good. One more game to talk about. Okay, uh, the Chargers and the Browns. Uh, one of those games where uh, last pod in the beginning, I go, yeah, the Chargers had that early lead, and and then I was like, yeah, they were up fourteen to three, and you're like, I don't remember it that way. I was like, no, I just checked it. Uh, I was wrong. They were, they, it was the Browns who were up fourteen three early, and uh, the Chargers came back. Yeah, they tried to blow it at the end, right? But uh, but good deal. They they came back. Um, you looked at both defenses here, right? Yes, I did. I kind of find the Chargers defense a little more interesting. Can yeah. we start there? Right. Because I I I think the idea was that J C Jackson, Khalil Mack, you know, yeah, they don't have Joey Bosa right now, which yeah. is obviously a huge sure. uh, deficit for them. But I think people thought they would get better. Yeah, they would get better at stopping the run. They would get better in all phases um from what you saw on film are they better than they were last year maybe barely at this point but are they good i'm definitely not putting them in the good category definitely not you know and and they're gonna be they're gonna have games where they look better if they play you know they're like when they play kansas city they're gonna look pretty good they're okay against teams that like don't run the ball a whole lot and pass. That that's their wheelhouse. So that's still a problem for it's still a problem for them. It is still a problem for them. You know me, and this is why you're the big butt expert of the world right now. Mm-hmm. They don't got enough of them. They got nothing. They got nobody really that can get off a block in the run game. Nobody and nobody, and they all get pushed back. They're just too small on the inside. Sebastian Joseph Day, Tillery, they're just. You know, not big enough people to stop the Wyatt Tellers and Joe Batonios of the world. They're not. So that's an issue with them. And then they get nothing out of their middle linebackers either. So that's a double whammy. You know, it's in fact, it's a similar theme on the Browns defense on the other side of the ball. It's, it's a very similar formula. So from that standpoint, yeah, when they play a team like this, we see them get gashed. We see teams that just go, we're just to, this is one of those where I go, Cleveland didn't run the ball enough. They should have ran it more. They let them off the hook, I thought, some on some drives here. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's concerning, and I don't know if they can really fix it unless they change their approach or style of how they play to a degree. Uh, SNU, Rocket MMA, basically what you were talking about right here. Why is the Church's defense completely and utterly inept again? It's the exact same disaster as last year. Literally no difference. Can't stop a nosebleed. This Fangio scheme seems to work everywhere else. But here, I, I to me that's the thing that's missing, and that's what Fangio always had. You know, we we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? You know, you go to Forty ers when he was the defensive coordinator there; they had big people mm-hmm. that allows you to play some of your exotic defenses because you go, wait, this big dude here, he goes to Chicago, he's got Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, and go, these two guys can take four gaps. So now I can do crazy things and take away the coverage because I have two people taking away fuller gaps. They, don't, they barely have a guy that can take away one gap at defensive tackle right now. They're lucky if they win their one gap. 
let alone when they ask him the two gap. Good night. It's not happening. So I think that's that answers the question more than anything. And, you know, because of that, it, it, like, again, if Cleveland had a better play-action pass game, they have a good play-action pass game, it should be better. If they had a better one, they would have absolutely torched this defense. They would have been in deep shit. But uh, that's where Cleveland's a little frustrating, too. Cleveland's run the ball, run the ball, and then all of a sudden they get in the shotgun with no running back in the backfield. And you're just like, wait, can we tie some things together here and do that? That's an issue there altogether. But, uh, yeah, man, did they get pushed around and did Cleveland have their way in the running game? And lastly, too, on that point is Chargers' intensity as a whole was disappointing. Hmm. I, you know, I'm okay if you get run on like the Jets, the Jets still were flying around and fucking hitting people. Man, the Brown, the Chargers were not flying around and hitting anybody. And that was kind of like annoying to me as I was watching the game too. Cleveland's defense ain't very good. They fly around and hit you still though. I didn't question like their effort or their physicality. I just go, man, they're just not made to stop some of these things and that's an issue uh but that was a little annoying to me too watching the Chargers. that's interesting so there's a difference between these two defenses i was gonna say that a little bit reading your notes on yeah. them it's like that spider-man meme where you look at the it's a you noted that the browns maybe have some of the same issues that the chargers have as far as just i mean they're athletic they got some guys that can they can fly and move and they're aggressive are they big enough that's it, it and that's the i would say no they're not and they're not just they're just not good enough you know, Garrett is Garrett is phenomenal. He's a superstar, as we know. Jadeveon Clowney's good. He's not the Jadeveon Clowney we all think of. I mean, there's there's certain parts of the game where you can go through and you just you won't even know he's out there. So it's not that big of a difference there. It's not like whoa, we got him. The day is safe. But the issues in the middle of the defense, you know, and and um, whether it's uh, Jordan Elliott, Taven Bryan. Um, you know, sometimes Winfrey, the rookie out of Oklahoma, uh, the kid from Ohio State in his second year. What is it, Toga, um, Togai, Tommy Togai? Or to- I'm, I'm, I know I'm blanking, and I'm, I don't have the name in front of me there. But, yeah, there's not enough there. And then you talk about small linebackers. That, that's, that's their issue. I mean, that's where it's like it's hard to jump on and go, oh, the Chargers got it going offensively now. No, this is the only team the Chargers have been able to run the ball on in three years. It, it's, I mean, even the years past. Like, they run the ball on the Browns. They can't run the ball on anybody else. Um, so, yes, there is some of those issues there, and it's something they really get to address in the offseason. You know one thing I want to make a point of? Like, they got Deion Jones, linebacker. That's good. They traded for him earlier this week. That, that's, uh, that should help some things out because, you know, like I said, the linebacker position is an issue, and they're too small. But, man, I would hope in the offseason they can get another linebacker to go along with Deion Jones, get a good defensive tackle, and then I want them to make Owusu Koromoa a strong safety, not a linebacker. Make him Cam Chancellor. That's what made Seattle so scary all those years. So it was K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner, traditional linebackers, and then, whoa, it's a big athletic safety in the box who can play the game like a linebacker and stop the run game, but also... Like, when we try to run a, a crosser down the middle, he can cover that guy. And to me, that's another thing that they miss out on. Mm. I, I, they they, they got to adjust the way they play. But, yeah, they're just all over the place. They can't stop the run in the Browns' defense. They're way too over-aggressive. Denzel Ward's not playing as good as he should be playing. I was going to ask you about him. Right. What's up with him? Because uh, per PFF, 
he is on pace to allow almost a thousand yards in coverage. He gave up just over four hundred last year. Yeah, it's um, when they are playing man to man, he's not doing a great job stopping it, and he's had some mental mistakes too, even in their zone coverages. I think it's a little bit of a, a both. I don't look at it and go, "Oh man, he's lost a step" or anything like that. You know, it's just like yeah, biting on a move, not playing the ball the right way. You know, maybe being a little lazy with your eyes. Ooh, I was looking at the slot guy. Oh, damn, I let my guy kind of get a step on me. It's like things like that. It's not like physical ability. Uh, and then I think when you couple that with not a very good pass rush this year, you know, that, that's, that's their issue too. But there's not any area I look at the Browns defense and go, oh, they're really good at that right now. They have to overcommit to help the run defense. And, you know, they're, they're, there's too many holes when they play blitz zone behind it to where you can have easy completions throwing the football. And now they've got to figure out a way to slow down Ramondre Stevenson, a top five running back, according to Ahmed Farid, and the Patriots. That's your next uh, opponent. Yeah, that'll be a tough task right there. That will. It'll be about, I mean, that's, that's, that's not what they want to see coming into town. You know, I, Third string quarterback, you do want to see that. Yeah, sure. But, you know, again, this is a team that, of all the teams to start their third string quarterbacks, this is the one team we all go, eh, does it really matter as much as the other teams? Not really. I know. They're going to find a way to manage the game and play it the right way. And the way their run game's working here the last few weeks, they don't have to rely on a quarterback a whole lot. They're, they're playing 2001 Patriot ball right now on that side of the ball. I mean, the Patriots have won, what, six Super Bowls with Tom Brady as their quarterback? I know. I, I mean, mean, if they could do it with him, they could do it with anybody. <laughs> uh, Bill Belichick today on David Njoku, the tight end for Cleveland, he said, after Ozzie Newsom, probably the best tight end the Browns have ever had. Ooh. Who are their other tight ends? Yeah, it hasn't been great ones. <laughs> you know, Kellen Winslow was there at one point, yeah. but Njoku's a special talent. He is. And uh, they made the right decision by paying him and doing that. And they're finally, you know, I think really this is the first year they're really utilizing him. But he's a really good run blocker, and he's a pain in the ass in the pass game. He's got tremendous size and athletic ability, so I'm not surprised to hear Bill say that. I just traded him yesterday in a fantasy league. Is that right? Traded him away yesterday, yep. Less for, than 24 hours who? ago. Terry McLaurin. I feel like that's fair, right? No? I guess. I don't know. What? It's close. I got Dallas Goddard on that team. Oh, okay, too, so. so that's tough. Depth. Yeah, okay, Falls good. Good, all right, good. You don't think McLaurin's no, going to bounce back? No, McLaurin will be good. I yeah. just was wondering, yeah, depending on who your other tight end was, because I think Joku is going to be a staple for the Browns I all year. So too. Right? That's my. That was my only thing. I'm a, I'm a McLaurin fan. You know that. I don't care what you think. Matthew Barry is probably on my side on this one. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's, we did wow, it. we made it through all of them. That's, that's, that was a good pace right there. That was. We talked defenses. A little bit of offenses and quarterbacks. Right. But through the lens of the defense, through the lens of the defense, right? We can't like not that. not talk about the quarterbacks, but yes, I think we we hit it all. Those were good questions by the homies today. They really were. And so now we get to break down a couple plays on social on your Twitter account of the offenses. I yeah. think, although we will look at Dallas's defense, I think I think so. we're going to do some Cowboys pass rush. What yep. makes them special? And Geno Smith. Oh, nice, good. What Gene? Not Geno. Gene, yeah. yes. Yeah, I don't think that's good. Uh, much uh, like similar to my uh, Wince coin. <laughs> you don't like that And then either? I tried Crypto Carson, <laughs> which I think is better. Yeah. Crypto yeah, Carson's crypto better. Crypto Carson's better. Yes, right. Uh, Pete suggested uh, CFT, like uh, NFT, but CFT, oh, CFT. for, for I got you. Got like you. Washington football team. It yeah. kind of actually works out there, it too. It does actually work. Maybe I just got to go in a look different you direction. You guys are so creative. <laughs> yeah. Crypto Carson, maybe, is what we'll go. Crypto but we're not Carson. looking at him. We're looking at... Genius. Genius. G- G- yes. Genius. Genius. Genius.
right. All right, everybody. Way to go, guys. Good, good shit by everybody out there. Good, we did have a good. We did have a good pod until <laughs> the end there, and now we're off the rails. Uh, but everybody, you know, stay tuned Thursday. Picks podcast with Florio and I. I still don't think my picks were all that good last week, so we'll see. And I'll have to probably eat that one again. Uh, but either way, me and Ahmed Sunday mm-hmm. night. You'll see us pregame show, postgame show. You're gonna get a full day of Ahmed and Chris, <laughs> yeah, and then again. Monday we'll be back in the fold to give our reactions podcast. But everybody, stay tuned out there. You know, stay keep. Keep staying involved with our social media here. We'll get at you. We'll do our best to answer some of these questions on the podcast. But everybody enjoy the games this week. Should be another good one. Week six in the NFL. Mm. Hope everybody enjoyed the Wednesday What the F Happened podcast. Clap it up. Clap it up. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.